Thank you for joining us on Vagina Talks. I'm thrilled to have you here, and I want to have you everywhere we are. So I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. That is where you can support, become a member, join the virtual temple, get behind scenes, all the good stuff, support this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the medicine, the free flow, the real, 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 real talk. Would love to have you as part of the community over there. Consider yourself invited. Come on over. I'm Samantha Rise. Welcome to Vagina Talks, where we speak about, to, and from vaginas. This is a show of alchemy, where we turn poison into medicine, disconnection into wisdom, and isolated wounds into communal peacemaking. Here's your host, Sophia Wise One. You already know everything they could teach you. You already know everything they could say. We are here to remind you what you already, already, already know. Hello and welcome to Vagina Talks. I am Sophia Wiseman and I am grateful and blessed to be sharing magical time-space continuum through the magic of the internet and fancy technologies with you. I am incredibly excited. I have a powerful and wonderful being. Stacy Herrera is with me today, and she does women's work. So can we like give it a woot woot? Because obviously, that's what we're into around here. Her sensuality-focused work helps women enjoy their bodies. Hell yeah. Cultivate conscious relationships. Is there any other kind? And live delicious, wholehearted lives. That is a holy way to walk. And I'm into it. She loves having shame-free conversations about subjects that should be shameless. Hurrah. Because life is sexually transmitted and she believes that the main ingredient to fulfillment is full expression. Stacy, welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you so, so much. I'm so excited to be here. I love, I love talking about vagina. But- <laughs> There. T- Stacey, what do you love about vaginas? You know, I have a very, very intimate relationship with my own. And that and, and I don't know if it's because I am I, I was I was born a woman, a girl, but I also just revere feminine energy. And and not that you not that it ha- you have to be a woman to, to have feminine energy, but there's something that's so magical about it. Mm-hmm. So like I love everything about my vagina, but I think that it has to do with the fact that my the my perception of it has so much to do with creation and creativity. So I love the way it smells. Like I love the way it looks. Like <laughs> I love everything about it. <laughs> so um, and I and I really. I really want I I would love for more people to to be able to revere um everything about like the female form but mm-hmm. vaginas in particular because you know like I was listening to my sister and I were having a conversation the other day about um a woman well she was as a child she was born um with both genders, mm-hmm. but they chose for her, which is common yep. and how they, you know, they removed her, her testes. And then they, they said they were like ovaries that came out and they removed her testes. And then years later they were like, Oh, her clit is overgrown and they removed that. And so now mm-hmm. like she is, you know, a grown up 
and she identifies as, as a she, but she, so she's a grown up, and, you know, she feels very female, but she didn't get to choose. Mm. And that is disturbing to me. So, and, and not that, not that penises aren't great. Um, <laughs> they have their time and place. Yeah, yeah, they do. But, um, but I just really appreciate, um, I, I appreciate vaginas in a different way because, because I have one, but, but also because they are so, the design is mm-hmm. just so magical. I mean, just the clitoris by itself, like, you know, and, and, you know, in the vulva area, you know, um, and pleasure. Yeah. I, everything. everything. Let's, ed- let's educate our, our, our listeners with us right now, Stacy. Can you tell us a little bit about some little, some, maybe some fact, you got some factoids about the clitoris? Well, it has 8,000 nerve endings approximately that have no other purpose but pleasure. Mm-hmm. There's no other organ on the body that is there in service to and in receipt of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of pleasure like the clitoris, um, which is my favorite thing about it. I love, I love that. And it, and it, it saddens me that, that until now, there really hasn't been any conversation about pleasure because that's not how I was educated about sex and sexuality. Pleasure wasn't part of that conversation, except for it's an, an, a major part of the experience and the clitoris is an ode to that. It, it, that's its job. Its job is to feel good. Like that's what it does. Um, it also has those wonderful legs because so often people, when they, when they even decide to touch it, they think that they're just supposed to take that one index finger and rub it to death. Well, uh, (laughs) no, 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 no. Like, you know, it, it's kind of has like a little bit of a wishbone shape. So it actually runs the length of the mouth of the vagina and which is so fantastic. So that's the reason there's so much, that's why penetration or, or even not penetration, just rubbing along the sides of the, the opening to the vagina is, is really pleasurable because that's still underneath those, um, the, the skin is, is, is the clitoris because it's so magical that that little button just would not do. (laughs) You can't fit all all 8,000 in that little spot. No, you you can't. It's yeah. It's definitely amongst my favorite parts of, of my body, you know, and, you know, I love to remind people like, please don't suck the clitoris like a tit. It's not the same. <laughs> Just a PSA here. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. You got to let, you got to get to know each and every part in its own way on each yes. and every body for that matter. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, my understanding, right? My experience. Um, well, I'll just kind of give a shout out here to uh, uh, your podcast, the Sensuality Project podcast, and uh, that the process of of cultivating and I'm going to say healing, healing our sensuality. I think it's pretty clear that uh, we are walking around in at least Western dominated culture, and as far as I can tell, from what I hear, you know, largely the colonized world all over the globe. Uh, pleasure and and sensual contact is very complicated. It's about control and power over. Um, It's about who has permission and ownership. It's gotten pretty convoluted away from a sense of um, just connection. And 
that the process of reclaiming sensuality includes sex, but is not limited to sex. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear you talk about that. You know, I'm I'm glad that you said that because I think that that's largely when people think about sensuality, their default is sex. And so often people think that they are one and the same and they're two different things that sometimes overlap. Mm-hmm. And for me, sensuality is the way that I live. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, it allows me to be fully present in my home, which is my body, because it's the only house I'll ever really have. Mm-hmm. It l- allows me to be present in in this space all the time. Now, am I great at it all the time? No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. But you cannot... When you are when you are fully experiencing sensuality, you cannot time travel. So, which is what causes stress because stress is never happening in the moment. It's always about what just happened or what you think is going to happen. But stress is never happening now. But sensuality invites you to be here now. It keeps you in the room. And so, like my goal is to always stay in the room and. Mm. And I'm really grateful that all of the faculties that came with this beautiful house that I that I was gifted at birth um, came with all of these tools that allow me to stay in the room. So for me, sensuality is all of the senses and and my intuition, which allows me to inhabit the space outside of this body as well. Right. Um, so I love like smell, like smell is one of my favorite things. I love the way that it grounds me in my memories because smell is the strongest sense linked to memory. It's the strongest sense linked to emotion. Mm-hmm. So when you're smelling something, you are taking in, you are literally creating a de- the more depth to the experience because if you should happen to decide to look back on it, it will be smell that allows you to, to bring it fully into the present again. So, so, so smell is probably the closest we can come to time travel <laughs> right now. <laughs> and, and even like taste, like when you are present with your food and you are tasting it and the texture of it and the smell of it and the way it looks, you're in the room, except for most of the time we've gotten really conditioned to eating on the fly. So we're never sitting down. So we're never really present with it. And so often, you know, not being present with our food creates other problems because a lot of people are having bowel issues, mostly because they're just almost just swallowing the food whole right. <laughs> because they're not with it. Yeah. You know, so like sensuality allows you to be present, but it also is really good for your overall health because you're in the room. You can be present for every single experience. I mean, I could go on with all the, with all the, other senses too. But I would think that the most important one, especially now, and I think that in the space that we're currently in as a as a collective species, the space that we're in, especially in the Western world, we are so touch deprived. We are mm-hmm. suffering massively from touch deprivation. Yeah. And touch, while smell is the, the sense that links us to memory and emotion, touch is the only sense that we cannot live without. You could you can live without smelling. It, you probably would be depressed because not having a sense of smell often leads to depression. You know, you could live without sight. You could live without hearing. You would die without touch. And so 
I think a lot of the aggression that we are experiencing, yeah. especially it's not accidental that a lot of the major aggression that we see most often yeah. tends to be at the hands of gendered males. Yeah. And the reason I think is because of, of the two, you know, um, if we want to call it that the, the two gendered sexes of our, of our species, yeah. men suffer from touch deprivation the most. Right. And it's because they get to a certain age and everyone stops touching them. The right. only people that are in more that, that can probably run the gamut with men on touch deprivation is old people. Right. Of, of both genders. Of both genders. Yeah. Is because we, we don't, we stop touching men and we stop touching old people. And when a, when a male child gets to a certain age, no one hugs and kisses them anymore. And then if they touch someone there, it comes like, and, and again, we're in the wake of that right now. It comes with this harassment clause. Right. And as a consequence, they don't get touched. And when they do get touched, because they don't really learn non-sexual touch as that's a result right. of it, that's right. which is exactly why we're where we are right now. And I think that that's the missing part of the conversation that's happening in the media is nobody's talking about the touch deprivation. And it's very clear that these men are in pain, yeah. mostly because they're nervous system is is hungry. Yeah. And and also that we have everybody across the gender in our culture being uh essentially uh, deprived. And yep. so the 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 willingness to get our needs met, it's, you know, speaking as a female body young teenage girl, like, you know, I also, you know, I so I kind of want to go a bunch of places here. One is um is I uh went to a really wonderful summer camp it had its problems. They all do, meaning mm -hmm. every community. But really wonderful summer camp where we were taught um, literally sequence of touch, how to touch, sensual touch, non-violent touch, non-sexual touch. We were taught a vocabulary of physical contact um, that we were able to use and cultivated and shared with each other. And then I would come back to the rest of my life and um, some of my friends – I had a, a very, have a very affectionate physical um, – kind of cuddly family. Um, but when I came back to my life, I kind of taught some of my friends how to snuggle. I studied theater, so I still had more. But even still, needing more physical touch, you know, I would just kind of like hook up with people just to have that contact. You yep. know, and, like it was and, just like, yep. I knew it wasn't really what I wanted, but it was like kind of better than nothing. Yeah. You know, and yes. I had so much more than most people. So yes, about I was going to say, exactly. you had language. Totally. You had language. Yeah. And most of us, I didn't, I did not. I, um, I think that it's, I, I just want to celebrate you for having had that experience so that you could share it because most of us, including myself, that was so not my experience. Not only did I not learn it, I didn't come from a cuddly family. Right. And so that wasn't a thing. So I didn't get it at home. And when I did like probably after being a, probably after toddlerhood or in the single digits is when people stop, start touching you way less. Um, so like after I graduated out of the single digit ages mm. and into the middle, you know, I don't think that I really had any real physical touch that I, that my nervous system could identify right. probably until I started having sex, but I was 16. Mm -hmm. I, and so there was a lot of probably, um, 
between be, between 16 and then there was a gap because I got married young and then divorced young. And then after that, I went on the spree again. Of <laughs> 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 uh, Really, but not again, not having, yeah. I didn't have the awareness or the language to know that what I was seeking right. wasn't sex. It was touch. And the thing is, is that that was also the reason that it could never be sated. Right. You know, is that right. you, afterwards there's this lack of fulfillment. And in your mind, especially, you know, you if you've watched a bunch of rom-coms and read a bunch of books like I did, like right. afterwards, it's just like, oh, he wasn't good in bed or, mm. you know, like all this, all this stuff right. that isn't true, right. all these stories. Right. When the truth was is that I didn't get enough physical touch. Yeah. It wasn't about penetration Mm-mm. or orgasm or anything. You know, it was about the deprivation, the not having enough touch, because regardless of how advanced we are in technology outside of our body, which our body is the most advanced technology to our at our disposal, even though we disregard it. Yeah. But uh, aside from the the hardware technology that we have at our disposal, we still our bodies are still trying to figure out the space. And, and part of our discovery and getting to know people is touch. And, you know, like that's how discovery happens when we're, when we're infants, when we don't have vocal language yet, when, when our only resource is to cry, you know, or scream, (laughs) you know, we discover with our mouths, we discover with our hands way more than we're discovering with, you know, our eyes. Yeah. And, you know, and that really never stops, but because our brains are so big and beautiful, unlike other animals, we have the power to override our nature. And so we often override and that's how we, that's how this touch deprivation got going. Yeah. (laughs) And, and on top of all of that, we have this added element of, um, not being supposed to touch ourselves. Oh, so, yes. and I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, self-pleasuring or masturbation or self-worshipping, whatever you want to call that. But just, you know, one of the things that I know when I'm really, when I, when I get wired, when I get kind of wired, one of the things I know to do is to, you know, take a bath and mm-hmm. either in the bath or out or both in the bath or out of the bath, rub my body, massage yes. my own body, you know, yes. put oil on my body, rub my body. It's very soothing, like providing that contact for myself. Again, it's a skill that most people uh, would not even occur to most people that mm-hmm. if they were feeling desperate for touch, that at least un unelement or unapproach would be, you know, coating themselves with with an oil and 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 massaging and and touching and feeling a light touch or a heavy touch, uh, just to be in contact with our own themselves. Absolutely. You know, that was a skill that I learned accidentally. (laughs) Because because I'm a black woman, Uh um, my skin and my hair gets drier, you know, than than other than other nationalities because of the the way that our skin is designed. So as a child, like my mother and and it never went away, but my mother was so big on moisturizing. Right. You know, so it was an accidental thing. So like as a habit, uh-huh. I cultivated the habit of moisturizing all the time. But right. once I grew into awareness, like even if I'm in a hurry, even right. if I'm in a hurry and I don't have time, there are two, there are three things on my, on my body that I always moisturize and massage. And that's my face, my breasts and my feet. If mm. I don't have time to touch anything else and the, the feet and the breasts, of course, like, of course 
course, the the breast can be very can be very pleasurable and very sensual. Um, but it also helps my boobs, and because I'm of the age where gravity is is really fighting me right now. So, um, so hugging you hard. Exactly. So my breasts are doing different things, but gravity isn't winning as much because my breasts are so used to being touched. But there was a time when they were so used to not really being intentionally touched Mm -hmm. that if someone said like, do you have sensitive nipples? I would be like, uh, no, because, but now I'm like, oh my goodness. Like fabric, you know, like the breeze, like everything, they're so awake. Um, and, you know, it also stimulates the lymphatic system and same thing with like the feet, you know, and so those are the the three things that no matter what, even if I only got five minutes, those are the three things that I do not skip a day of mm. moisturizing. Mm. And it, but it's, it's changed the way that I inhabit myself because now it's intentional before it was, it was an, it was a habit. I'm, I'm grateful. That's, I'm really grateful because I hadn't even thought about it, honestly, until you said that. <laughs> yeah, no, that right. But like bridging that. And I think that's actually one of the most kind of um, helpful ways actually to create those habits a lot of the time is to like, look at the habit that you do have, mm-hmm. and then see how you can make that a more essentially engaging habit. Absolutely. You know, it's like always having to create a new way of doing something which can be pretty um, stressful and feel daunting. Yes, yes. You know, and you mentioned um, showering or taking a bath, like one of the things that I do because I am still working on keeping my heart open Mm. and in safe settings, (laughs) it's easy. Um, But, you know, there are uncomfortable settings where I where I have to have the conversation that this person is doing this thing and I'm still going to keep my heart open to them. So one of the ways that I practice that, though, is when I'm in the shower is turning the water down. Now, that was a practice that I had for closing my pores. Right. That was, you know, yes. but now I do it for a different reason. Now oh, let's I- actually, before I want to hear your other reason, but let's, um, again, let's tell people why. So, so our pores are really smart. They close from the inside out mm-hmm. when they're cold. So when, by turning the water to cold, when you're in a hot shower, you do like your own little mini pore cleansing because they close from the bottom out and push everything to the end. And then the pores are closed and you're more sealed up to um, kind of any, any kind of debris to keep your skin healthier. So there's that reason to turn the water to cold to close your pores. Okay. And then Stacy, keep going. Yeah. So, so, and the other part, which is a great habit. And I, I did practice that for a long time, again, accidentally. Right. <laughs> Accidentally. Um, But like now I turn the water down for the second reason, which is rather than like instinctually when we get cold, our practice and our body is so smart. It's brilliant. It it automatically starts to pull everything in tight so that we can warm ourselves and keep our energy in the core of us, which is the most important part. So that's the reason when we get cold, we immediately start to almost shrink. But when I'm in the shower, I practice not shrinking. Mm. I practice not getting tight and and breathing through the cold rather than constricting because it literally is the physical equivalent to keeping my heart open. Mm. And, and it, it's I effective. I love that. I love yeah, that. It's I, effective. I, um, I often have people... Um, do that practice if they want to have um, neuroplasticity. 
if they mm-hmm. want to be able to mm-hmm. stay present under stress or especially when um when factors are changing. So yes. if you have to be fac- focused in one environment or one space and then it quickly can change to another, that cold flip back and forth can really help with neuroplasticity and I've thought about that in terms of my focus or being relaxed and not going into a panic mode. Again, mm-hmm. that what you referred mm-hmm. to earlier staying in the room, right? Like staying in the body. Um, mm-hmm. but that offering I feel like for me specifically that doing it and actually really staying in my heart um, and keeping my heart keeping my heart open that's going to that's going to take that practice to a whole nother level thanks <laughs> you know yeah. it's it's so isn't it so interesting how just just like uh anything like every practice we have is versatile and has a whole bunch of different things because the intention changes everything right but right you know, doing, I mean, people, a lot of people turn the water down already, <laughs> right. you know, and it, and it's all these different things. And I'm glad that you brought up neuroplasticity because I don't think that anyone tells us, and it's certainly not something we recognize, but when we think about like emotion and feeling, we think about it as like an activity, you know, like something that happens in our brain, except for our emotions are an experience of our nervous system. Right. And it's so easy, you know, not like, you know, when, when something makes you nervous, there's a sensation in your stomach because it's part of that. So I think like these, these little practices that, that are multifaceted that they, they have their multi-purpose, you know, like it can be about, because I know when I, when I get stressed, the first thing I do is shut my heart down. Mm. Like, <laughs> like that's the first thing, like, you know, and, mm. but it can change the game, especially in interpersonal relationships that are tender for you, being able to stay in the room and keep your heart open completely changes the, in the environment of the relationship. And, you know, and the flip side is the, the opposite end of the spectrum is shutting your heart down also creates a different experience in the relationship. And I think that that's the place that most of us live in most of the time. Yeah. I know I'm great. I'm great at that. I'm, I I can look, I can shut some shit down real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I learned that. I learned that. Exactly. That didn't come from nowhere. You didn't make that up. At all. I learned that in my environment and now like my commitment and part of the, and it can't, this grew out of me, you know, staying in the room and in my body, but as a, as in practicing that and choosing to live in my in my body in this way, it changed my relationships because I so now like that's why my most important mission in this lifetime, if I don't do anything else in this lifetime, the most important thing to me is being really good at relationships. Mm. I want to be really good at them because everyone in my life is in an optional relationship with me including my daughter. And I, if, if these relationships are optional, because anyone can opt out at any time, I want to be the kind of, I want to show up in a way that makes the people want to be in relationship with me. And when I fully inhabit my body and my sensuality, my sensual practice is part of that. But when I fully in, inhabit my body, then it is an invitation mm for the people in my life because I arrive to every experience with them 
present. Yeah, your company, you're there. You know, I think it's so just so. Uh, yes, thank you, just for everything you just said. Just thank you, and and that place of you know sometimes I think we ha- so many of us can get stuck on thinking um, we have to be a certain kind of way to be good company. You know, that we have to be a certain kind of person or say the right thing or know the right thing, be a certain kind of creative or smart or insightful or something. And that one of the most powerful elements to any uh, relationship or someone who want who I want to keep company with is just because they're there, that they're mm-hmm. actually keeping company with me. They're not somewhere else. They're not distracted by the stories they're telling. They're not distracted by the things that are around, but that feeling of actually being in space with me makes me know that I'm, I'm actually with someone, you know, Mm -hmm. and that, that makes me want to be with them because they're actually there. You know, I think that's part of the, one of the easiest people, easiest things to give up for in my life now are people who aren't in the room because they're not in the room anyway. Right. (laughs) Right. Wait, I, I, I lost you a long time ago. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, you know what? And that that speaks to in in terms of like people in long term relationships, you know, one of the things, you know, and, and let's just use marriage because that's the construct that that we mostly see this and we readily identify it in marriage. When when people talk about being divorced, a lot of the default thought is that the reason that so there's so many divorces is because of infidelity, which isn't true. No. Even even if infidelity is the trigger. It's symptomatic. Exactly. Because most of the time, what really the reason that most relationships end is because of disinterest. And when you're not in the room, the other person, even if they don't have a conscious awareness of it, the other person automatically registers that you are no longer interested in them. Right. And then they leave the room too. So now you got two people who aren't in the room. Right. And then you have the elements of like, so you were talking about the power of being the person who's in, in your body. And that becomes an invitation. It's one of the reasons why um, right on a good day. Stacy, you and I are one of the people that people will say to us they like spending time with us because yeah. they feel more present in themselves. They 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 come home to their own self hanging out in that space. So then that's a value, you know? And for me, there's an element of if I'm if I'm that presence for someone and they're more at home in their body with me than they aren't, okay, great. We're sharing space. That's good. If I always have to be the one working to call them home. And I'll just be straight up. I just get the feeling sometimes where I'm like, you're not paying me enough to do this. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, this is what I do. I teach people how to come home and I'm working my ass off and you want me. And it's like, I'm just trying to be here and you're making me work, you know? Yeah. Can, can I just Please. say that I just fell in love with you like big time? <laughs> like, you just – can I – I have been having – this exact conversation with one of my sister friends and we are always talking about fucking emotional labor. She's like, how, how much do we have to work? Mm. I mean, because Mm. I don't think that, you know, and I just recently got that language Mm. from an article I read recently because I didn't have language for the, for the burden I was feeling (laughs) in certain relationships because I don't want to be the one always with the invitation. And honestly, I need to be present with the kind of people that can invite me back into the room because sometimes I leave on purpose. That's right. (laughs) 
You know, sometimes I'm like, this shit is hard. I'm checking out. Yep. You know, I need like, a break. I need, I'll be back. Exactly. Uh-huh. I need to be with the kind of people that can ask the questions that invite me back in the room. Yeah. Without me kicking and screaming, because with the right query, that's right. You come back willingly. That's right. <laughs> like that's right. Oh, I never thought about that. Or you know, like those kind of pointed questions. Like I recently, I had had my my period had been ghost for a while, mm-hmm. and I had a partial hysterectomy. Oh gosh, seven years ago, mm-hmm. and I am one of the few people who had a period the whole time after that. Mm-hmm which they told me was a reminder period. And had I known what I know now, I would never have said yes to that surgery, by the way, that's my PSA. But, um, but I did at the time. And so because I didn't know yet that I was going to be doing this work, now I understand why my period didn't um, stayed around. Because for one, a lot of my work has been around allowing women to use their period and their cycles as a way to, you know, navigate the terrain of their lives in terms of like even conversations, like certain conversations you just shouldn't have when you're PMSing, you know, whereas ovulation is a great time to rehash and and sort through a lot of relationship shit because you're in a space where you can be a receiver of it. But anyways, um, but my period Um, I had a huge financial shift earlier this year and then my period went away and I thought, oh, you know, I was almost 44 and I thought, okay, now the lining of my little uterus is starting to recede and now my period is going away. Well, then it came back and I was, I sent a text to one of my friends. Oh my God. Like my period just showed up like in a big way. And her question to me was, what did you need to release in order to allow it to flow? Mm. So I need those people. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause someone else would have just been like, Oh, that sucks. Right. Like, <laughs> right exactly. That sucks. Your period. Damn. Like you went through all of that. And now it can't look, uh, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. but that wasn't what that she did not go there with me. And, and that wasn't what, how I presented. I was like, Oh my goodness. You know, like, you know, like right. my, my, my period came back. And that was her question. And I was like, I couldn't respond right away. It took me like a day. I told her, I said, I'm sorry. I had to pause to really sit in that, to really sit through what I need, what had I let go of? Because I was too close to see it. Because if someone else had come to me and said, you know, Stacey, I haven't had my period in X amount of time. My questions would have been like, what are you grieving? You know what I mean? What are you holding on to? Right. Right. Ask myself ever, and I, but I needed <laughs> I, I need to be around the kind of people that can invite me back because I had checked out, and you know, and sometimes we leave only some parts, some some rooms, not all of them. That's right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I might be in the room, you know, for for our conversation, and I'm we might get off, and I might walk into another conversation with someone else, and and not walk in the room ever. Right. So, you know, like it, it's a practice. <laughs> I had, I had a, I had a really wonderful, I have my, the therapist that I go to when I still, if when I need to do a check-in in that way. Um, but the one that I worked with for many, 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 many years, one of the things she taught me was that the difference between trance and dissociation. So dissociation being, um, you know, leaving the body and not being uh, conscious of time or space or your feelings, physical feelings, it can be 
pretty severe, unsevere. And uh, so, so the difference between dissociation and trance is choice, is consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yep. So leaving the body and coming back that when we dissociate, when, when something activates us and we know we're not safe or it doesn't feel good and we just leave automatically, you know, my, my, uh, my spiritual kind of shamanic perspective refers to that as the soul jumping ship. The soul's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm going to just hang out. I'm not going to, I don't, don't like to hang out where I'm not known as sacred. So I'm going to step out for a minute and come back. It just, it does that on its own. Mm-hmm. The process of knowing how to go out, journey out of the body, journey back into the body. That's trance work. That's, that's consciousness work. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that, and that they're the same and that they, they can, that often, um, Severe trauma is an initiator of learning how to do it on purpose. That, yes. that getting taken out of your body abruptly and that w- carves a path that you can then, by t- retracking back, you can learn the process of exiting and coming back, going Absolutely. and coming. Yeah, you know. And I, when you were when you were talking about that, I was thinking about a relationship that I was in and how I would leave my body during sex. And I think that it's very common for women. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm not, I, I take that back. It's very common. It's very for people. common for people. <laughs> for yep. people. Yep. I take it back. Um, but I, I remember doing that and did it for years, <laughs> did it for years. Mm-hmm. And then like later having a different experience and then like having a different experience where I stayed in the room and then deciding like, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) Like I never, I don't ever, but again, like, and I've, I've had some sexual trauma in my past and did not recognize how I had, how I had been time traveling for a great deal of my adult life. Right. And then like having an awakening and I was like, oh, hell no, I'm never doing that again. Like, I don't ever want to feel like I have to leave my body for anything. Oh. Because, you know, and and even one of the things that helped facilitate that and because, you know, self-love is is the new black, right? Self-love is the new black. Right. Everyone's talking about it, but it's so, it can often be very surface. Mm-hmm. And I did a 30 day self-pleasure journey um, in 2015, I think. And can I, I thought it was just going to be me 30 days of just orgasms. That's what my idea was, right? right. No, 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 no. That's no. not what happened. What it was, was a 30 day awakening of how I hadn't really been properly being in the room with me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, oh my God, like there are so many things that, and, and actions that I take to ensure someone else's pleasure mm. in terms of ambiance and music and wine and, you know, candles and all of these things. And I was like, I don't ever do that for me. Mm. So like, the but again I, because even in even in my own self pleasure i had been leaving the room i had learned how to have an orgasm in 30 seconds because i used to i had a job that i hated and one of my um one of my coping mechanisms was to have an orgasm before work so that i wouldn't be all riled up when i got there yeah <laughs> so so i learned to do it fast and yeah. that became a practice 
that let me hurry up and finish. And then I was like, this is dumb. Why would I be hurrying up to be finished being pleased? But we do it with food. Yeah. You know, like those are yep. the ways that we, we, we exit the room fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I do not want to do that. I want to be in the room because, you know, I'm, I'm 44. So I'm very well, possibly, I hope at the midway point, I'd actually love to die about 75. That would be optimal, but whatever. Um, <laughs> that, that's what I, that's what I envision for myself. But, you know, so I'm very well over the halfway mark. And if I, if I am truly over the halfway mark, that means that I've got less years ahead of me than behind me. And I don't want to spend the remainder of my time not in the room. That doesn't make sense to me now. Mm-hmm. So I want to be present for all of the things, even the uncomfortable, painful things, even that stuff that I I willfully stay in the room when it hurts. Yeah. Because if I rush out of pain, I rush out of pleasure. That's right. Same, same. And I, and I, I don't want to. Yeah. The, the nerves are the same. Yeah. Like it's not a different set of nerves for pleasure than pain. They're right. the same ones. <laughs> so yeah. I, I want to be in the room. I want to be in the room. I, I want to have like juicy, delicious conversations like this and be there. You know, I want to. I want to have the aha moment in the moment, right. and not like later. Like, oh my god, uh-huh. remember that time? No, uh-huh. I want to be so in so present that I am recognizing the goodness in the moment. A couple of months ago, I was reading a book, a textbook by Amy Krauss Rosenthal. She died earlier this year. You probably read about her. She was the woman who, she was a writer and she ended up making a dating uh, profile for her husband in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I was reading her book textbook and there was this section where she talked about serendipity. Mm. And I was at the park, like I had literally like taken, packed a lunch for myself all by myself and put my little blanket on my shoulder and, and packed a bag with books and walked down to the end of my block to sit at this park that, that overlooks the ocean. And I'm like sitting there and I'm reading this book and I close the book as soon as I read like about serendipity. And I'm like, I know serendipity happens to me all the time because when it happens, I usually say, not so coincidentally, like, <laughs> but I was like, but in this moment, I can't remember anything. Huh. Like, I was like, how come I can't remember a single serendipitous moment in this moment, even though I know that it happens because I hear myself saying that all the time. And so I was very intentional. I said, okay, I am, my prayer is going to be that I am aware and present for serendipity the next time it shows up. So it just so happens, like I had just like hit the skids in, in my business at the time. And I was like, I had the yucks, like I had the yucks. I was just like heavy. And then the next morning I woke up and I said, okay, I am going to be present for, for miracles and serendipity. I'm going to be aware of them. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was going to go to the library so that I could do some work. And when I arrived at the library, it was early. So I was like, walk, I was on my cell phone. I had my backpack on. I'm talking to my sister and I see this monarch butterfly. It's like sitting on the, like on the, on the curb, like this little block of cement inside the parking lot. 
And I thought it was at first I thought like my sister's talking, but in my mind, I'm having a separate conversation with me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the moment. This is it. The butterfly is the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, oh, my God. But I've never seen a butterfly sitting like that. If the butterfly's dead, this is not the moment. I don't want the dead (laughs) butterfly to be the moment. So I'm like, I'm listening to my sister, but I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, is the butterfly dead? So I'm like leaning down. I blow. The butterfly doesn't move. And I'm like, shit, this isn't the moment. If the butterfly is dead, this is absolutely not the serendipity I invited. So, (laughs) so, um, so in, I stand up upright and then my shadow lands on the butterfly and the butterfly moves out Mm -hmm. of my shadow and back into the light. Uh And then I move again and the butterfly moves again out of my shadow and into the light. And then I do it again. And then the butterfly flies up on a leaf and then the butterfly flies away. And I said to my sister, oh my God, this was it. And I was, then I was like, okay. I said, I have to interject your conversation to tell you the story about me and the serendipity. And there's this butterfly and the, the butterfly moved out of the shadow and into the light because the butterfly is there to represent the fact that I have the yucks because I'm going through transformation. And the butterfly's message is for me to stop, don't stay in the dark, to keep moving toward the light. <laughs> But had I not read the book the day before right. that invited me in the room, I would have missed that. In fact, I would have I, I could have possibly killed the butterfly because I was walking <laughs> around on the cement block. Right. I, I, I would have possibly killed the butterfly. But it was like just 24 hours before I was the book invited me into the room. And then I set the intention to be in the room. And then the butterfly showed up with this profound message that kept repeating on my way, on my walk home. I was on the phone telling the story about the butterfly and another butterfly flew right in front of me and almost landed on me. Not two weeks later, again, I'm telling the butterfly story to everyone now, right? Because I'm right. just like, oh my God, I was in the room and this is what happened. <laughs> um, one of, someone came over my house to use my, 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 my washer and dryer and had the laundry bag had been in my living room for two days and open the laundry bag. And guess what was in there? A, a butterfly. butterfly. A in. How did it get in there? I have no idea. For two days, the butterfly was alive, opened up the thing outside and the butterfly flew away. So it never stopped because I made an intention to be in the room. But, you know, some days that it doesn't happen like that every day. <laughs> I'd love to say, Sophia, that I'm always in the room. Like, no, and then I'm always in the room and there's always a million butterflies. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the, maybe you and I can both share some of our tactics for staying in the room, what that what that looks like um, in the moment. Um, I, you know, one of the, the principles that I work with that can sound pretty, um, it can sound pretty esoteric and pretty theoretical until you actually experience it, and then mm-hmm. it's a very visceral thing. But um, the the teaching is uh, expand to hold the pain. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I felt that. I felt that. Go <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no, great. Yes, exactly. So that we we often when we're feeling a pain or any sensation for that matter, um, a lot of the time we 
we're afraid that the feeling is going to consume, or it does. It starts to consume our our presence and our being. And so, what we're what we're kind of culturally taught to do is to constrict and to contain the pain to make the the pleasure, the sensations less, to make it to make the pain go away, make it not hurt so bad. Um, you know, whatever it is, kind of get over it, right? So that the that notion, um, so that we're not being consumed. And this idea is the idea that, yes, we don't want to be consumed by our feelings because there is a loss of consciousness and a loss of, of presence when that happens. But that feelings, constricting them or making them smaller is not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. The way to do it is to recognize that we are our, – our presence, our awareness, our being, like whatever from an esoteric sense or just a consciousness sense, whatever from soul level to, to you know, neuroplasticity, whatever makes sense to you, recognizing that the emotion is something that's happening within and that no matter how big the emotion or the, exp- the sensation is, to expand our presence to be that much bigger to hold the experience mm-hmm. that we're having. And that um, – that what happens in that space is that that's when really powerful emotions, be immense pleasure or immense pain or anger or grief, can really initiate us into deeper levels of consciousness mm-hmm. because the feelings take us and they consume our whole knowing of self. And so to 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 expand it or to hold those feelings without changing anything, we have to expand our notion of self. Mm-hmm. And become bigger than our notion of self to to hold that. And so um, I do that a couple of different ways, but one of them is literally tracking in my body and with my breath, imagining and literally expanding, like breathing bigger. So the feeling, breathing in as much as that is, filling, 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 and then breathing an edge past it, just kind mm-hmm. of experimenting with that. So, yes, I love that. I I love that. And I love the part where you track in your body. Mm, Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I I love, I love that because so often whatever we're feeling, it's, it's, it's rarely that we're feeling it in every part of our body. It's usually a specific area. Uh And, and usually the specific area tends to be associated with whatever it is that's triggering the feeling in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that. Look, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm digesting it because as soon as you said like expanding the pain, I'm like, Oh, like I felt that all in my chest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. Hmm. Well, while you're digesting, I'll share this little bit, which is that, you know, I spent a lot of years feeling a lot of pain and grief and anger and, um, and I really tried to contain it and shrink it down and it 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 made me crazy mm. like literally i mean i lost my mind i couldn't hold a job i had physical i mean i was it was dropped out of college like i i really um couldn't f- function in the world in a way that anybody wants to it was painful being alive was really it was hard to be here in the planet or in my body or you know that whole experience and so you know, the turning point for me was when I realized that the feelings, no matter how big and uncomfortable they were, the answer was not making them smaller, that mm-hmm. cutting off or compressing them was was never going to get me the relief because it, if it was, I would have gotten relief after years right. instead of right. getting crazier. <laughs> I was like, I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not a crazy person, but I'm a crazy person right now. Mm-hmm. So like, what do I need to do? And recognizing that 
if I trusted the feeling and let it take up its full space, it didn't go on forever into an infinitude. Now, in a way, it kind of does because it's not really my grief. It's like the grief. It's like this Mm -hmm. collective experience that we're feeling. And so there's like a continuum. And yet, even in my experience, it doesn't doesn't take over everything. That even in its fullest expression, it's massive, but it's – it it has it has a shape and that i mm-hmm. can i can be i myself and that you know and the other thing that i'll say is that when i'm at those edges when i don't know how you know prayer is 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 a godsend yes literally <laughs> <laughs> a prayer is a godsend you know that i can just say like help like i don't know how to get bigger than this like mm-hmm. i i am drowning in it i am consumed by this like i don't know how to how to be bigger than this experience um and to remember that i'm whole beyond this um mm-hmm. but i'm willing you know i'm willing so so make it happen show me how do it uh and then go from there Absolutely. I, you know, I think the, the willing part is like one of the magical ingredients mm. because one of the things that I have recognized in, not just in my work, but even in just the people around me is I realize how that, that so many people don't want to feel better. They just don't want to feel bad. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they don't so feel. Yes. And so like, you know, those are the people that you often, they, they're, 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 they've come to you and they're saying this, this is a feeling, or this is a thing that's happening. And it's, and I don't want, I don't want it anymore. But when you start helping them come up with alternative ways of being, they don't want to do that either because they're so comfortable with the discomfort. Yeah. Um, which, so, so then they stay in it until the, until their comfort Till the discomfort eclipses the comfort, <laughs> right? Which sometimes can take a long time. Yeah, I mean, I just had that this morning in my practice, in my own way. I was sitting there and 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 was uh, this past weekend. I was <laughs> so, so us creative types can often have a lot of ideas at the same time. Uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <clears throat> So last week I write down all the different projects that I've started in the past three months, you know, and I wrote it down on this huge piece of paper. And then I just kind of quietly panicked for three days because I was like, everything I've learned being an entrepreneur for the past, I don't know, since I was 17, 16 years has taught me was that this is not a plan that it will lead to success. Like I was just looking and I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I did it again. Like, what am I going to do? You know? And so I just kind of was like, just noticed and knew. I was like, okay, so like, that's not a plan. Something's got to change in this, you know? So I sat down, sat down and do my work and I pulled out my journal and I was like, all right, I got to like get clear and focused. I know I need to make some decisions. I got to prioritize. I got to relax. I got to trust. And I just really did some kind of writing with myself, some prayerful writing. And uh, and the first kind of three pages of instructions and insight were not about work. They were all about this self-love, self-care, was all about, you know, regulating. And one of the pieces was you got to sit down every day, Sophia, and you got to do a grief practice. Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. do a grief practice. There's so much change happening inside and outside, um, you know, especially the work of dreams coming true um, mm-hmm. is – it really brings up a lot of grief. Yeah. Um, you know, especially it's like all those stories that I told myself or that other people told me that I couldn't or I wouldn't or that it couldn't happen, all those lies, all that mm-hmm. nastiness, you know? Mm-hmm. And then to to as I as I break through those stories coming into an experience of of possibility, 
um, kind of has allowed for some hurt around that. Um, my fears, acknowledgement of what I need now, you know, like this deeper longing for a certain kind of support in my life and um, all of these things. And so I was just sitting there today kind of in this deep, even deeper opening place. And, uh, and I could feel in me a place that was more willing to let go of my suffering Mm-hmm. today than I had ever been before mm-hmm. that there was like a loosening of my own grip you know that like three days ago I I I wanted it to be different you know but I I wasn't I wasn't I wanted it to be different but I wasn't willing to let it be different yeah you know I wasn't willing to let it be whatever else it was going to be it was like mm-hmm. you know I just kind of had that notion of like well I want it to be magically different instead of actually letting it be different magically <laughs> Yes, <laughs> like yes. letting it happen. So I felt that turning in me today, that that deeper vulnerable place of, of, um, you know, that notion of like, you know, and I say this a lot, which is, you know, the result of the work, uh, the healing work, the transformation, the awakening work is not to feel better and it's not to feel worse. Mm-hmm. It's to feel more. Yes. Yes. Like we just get more of it, you know? And so yes. that deeper experience of it's like opening and being like, I'm willing to feel that much more lonely because I'm also willing to feel that much more supported. Like yes. I'm willing to just go there in a different Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Well, and you know, and, and and when you had mentioned prayer, my my prayer and my intention for this year was to get the emotional support I needed to do the work I came to do. Mm. That was my intention. And so the word that I associated with that was surrender. And can I tell you that I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> you knew better. You know better, don't you? You know. Praying for these such, things. Oh. It's such an intention. And I, I cannot tell you how supported and held I've been this year. Mm. Now, what I didn't, what I, I didn't know that it was going to look how it looked. Like I didn't know my purse was going to take a hit. Yeah. But, but my purse needed the hit because if I hadn't had it, if I hadn't been hit there, I might not have been in a space of receiving Uh what I asked for. So, so I'm really, I'm glad that you said, (laughs) I'm glad that you said it because it's when it's our intention to allow whatever it is that we're requesting. Because oftentimes you're not getting what you want, not because it's not for you, but because you won't allow yourself to receive it. So, and then, um, you, um, my, that I hadn't, I was, while you were, I was so listening to you and the expanding the pain part that I hadn't thought about like, what, what, what is my, what is my invitation practice going? What am I going to say? Um, but then I heard it. And I was reminded when you were just sharing the story of your letting go. Excellent. Okay. So one of the things like there are so many practices that you can have that, that your body um, invites you to. Mm. And I know that just like for you, that sometimes the, we can't get to the next place because there's no room. Mm -hmm. And in order for us to create space for whatever it is that we want to do, even if it's just deciding of, of all the the multi things that you, all your ideas, just deciding which one you want to proceed next with. Like even that can be very daunting, right? Yeah. Um, but sometimes there's no room for us to even focus on one thing. 
And so we, so part of our staying in the room has to always be letting go and releasing just like it was for you. Yes. And we can do that with our bodies all the time. So mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in the world about, about my body, of course, it's uh, very near and dear to the vagina. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's peeing. I love to pee. Oh, yeah. I love I love the sensation of peeing, especially if I've had to hold it, like not on purpose, but if I've been somewhere and I have to hold uh-huh. it, it, it's all that more delicious when I am able to let it go. Yeah. But when you are in the midst of something feeling heavy, if it's grief and you know there's stuff that you need to release, you can practice releasing every single time you pee. When you sit down, you literally set the intention to let go a little bit more. And then your pee becomes the ritual of release and not just the way that your body relieves your bladder. Yes. You know, and I mean, bowel bowel movements can serve the same purpose because you release dense energy through the bowels. Yes. So if it's something really heavy that you've been carrying because you might notice that the heavier the feelings, the more intense and heavy your bowel movements are. When you're carrying heavy feelings, they have a tendency to be heavier, more dense, and sometimes more hard. And it would be easy for us to explain it away that I've eaten the wrong things and now I'm a little bit constipated because we can explain away all the stuff. But the body is very receptive and responsive to our our emotions and our feelings. So a lot of times when we are carrying grief or really any really heavy emotion, maybe we're really pissed off at someone, you know, or there is an experience of feeling like we lost something, then oftentimes we might find that our bowel our bowels get a lot more dense and heavy, but we can use that same, we can set an intention before we release that too. And in with the bowels, you can take it a step further because typically when we pee, it usually takes doesn't take a lot of effort in the way that sometimes we have to have a little bit more effort to release bowels. But when you are intentional about letting go, right. you literally will sometimes sit down and it just slides right out. You don't even have to push right. that much. Yeah. You're just like, you know, like I'm intent, I'm not going to hold anything. I don't want to hold anything. And consequently, you'll find like, oh, like I just sit down and it's just like, whoop, it just slides right on out. Um, because when we are holding our body holds, right. So like using, using those things, we're doing it anyway, but being intentional when, when you know, you're working through something, using those things that you have to do to stay alive anyway, (laughs) if using those things and incorporating them into your release ritual will help you to move through. And not that you're trying to rush through moving through. But sometimes you literally need an action to associate with the intention in order for you to really let go. Mm-hmm. You know, we use it. We do it with the moon all the time. Right. You know, you know what I mean? But yeah. like our body has those same cycles. You don't have to wait two weeks for the moon to be full to let some shit go. <laughs> right. You're letting it go every day. So so use your body as as a as a as a ritual tool for you to like really release. I love and, that. And it helps you to stay in the room. Totally. To like stay present even for that. And I what even com- for that. What comes up for me when you say that, aside from like, oh, I think I have like I ha- as you were saying that, I was like, I definitely have done that 
at, mm-hmm. like at you know at times or whatever where it's just like letting go you know it's like either the metaphor of it or even making that choice or being like I'm just gonna tr- relax and let go like those yep. are things that like get said in my household you know or it's like feeling constipated it's like well, just relax and let it go yes. just let everything let it go. go let it um, go you know like that happens and and also the partnership of 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 I just think I keep looking at my glass of water next to me here, like that process of like water blessings, right? Or like mm-hmm. a shower or swimming in a lake or getting in the rain, like that cleansing, that even mm-hmm. just drinking a glass of water. I just love this this aspect of consciously engaging in the things that we're doing anyway yep. and inviting them to be the like sensual, ritual, rich aspects of being here and like drinking that water and being like, this is the, the water blessing. This is the cleansing that's going to nourish me and then also wash through me. Absolutely. Uh, And when, you know, and one of the things that I, that, that comes up for me often when I'm feeling foggy and unclear, it almost, almost like clockwork. If I'm feeling foggy and unclear, I'm probably also dehydrated. Right. Because everything goes together. Right. So it's like, well, what do you need to get clear? Drink some fucking water. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Stacey, you'll love this story. Years and years and years and years ago now. I mean, pr- probably 10 years ago, I had this crazy day. It was just one of these like totally, totally crazy days. And I got home. I was like, I'd been bike riding and going around. It was like so stressful. And I was so thirsty. And I bought a gallon of water and I came back to my apartment and I sat down and my friend was doing an art project. She was filming, time-lapsing in our apartment. So we had the time-lapse of this afterwards. So I sit down with her and I'm like telling her about my day and like rambling on and on and on. And then I drink the entire gallon of water in like 30 minutes. Like I just drink this gallon of water, just take it down, take it down, take it down. And about like four minutes after I drank the gallon of water, I start to weep. Mm. And it was this realization that I was too dehydrated to cry and cry (laughs) and it was like i drank all this water and then i just wept and then i was like oh i feel good now and the whole whole thing was on like a time-lapse video so it was like you saw me like walk in looking crazy drink this gallon of water like weep and then like get up and like high five and leave the room wow i love that (laughs) (laughs) i love that but you know i don't know that we realize like Mm because you know like when not drinking water is a way of holding. That's right. You know, and Absolutely. so then there can there can be no release. Yeah. As long as you're holding. So our our body speaks the truth mm-hmm. of our experience always. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we when we're not when something shows up because when something shows up as a pain or a disease, you know, that doesn't happen until the body has exhausted the language. That's right. And once the body has exhausted the language, then you'll start to have symptoms that are beyond the scope of what you can get rid of quickly. (laughs) So, you know, but like the thirst is one of the body's languages. It's one of the the taps on the shoulder. Like, hello, like drink this. (laughs) So um, the body is so amazing. So good. It's so amazing. And, And again, it's the best it's the best technology at our, at literally at our fingertips, in our fingertips. Mm. It, it, there's so much medicine in it. Yeah. There's so much wisdom in it. It's a teaching tool. It's, 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 a, it's a partner. Like it's, it's the vehicle of the cosmos. Mm. Like 
creativity comes from it. You know, um, our relationships are impossible without it. There is no pleasure. There is no pain. There's nothing without it. And so often, you know, we are conditioned very young to treat the body as other. Like it's not that important, Mm -hmm. you know, like especially um, when when you're raised religiously, it often is like is like it's that we treat it like it's separate from the soul, except for it's the outfit that the soul came dressed in. Right. And, you know, eventually, just like your favorite pair of jeans, eventually you 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 wear them and then they they're still your favorite. But eventually you take them off in favor of something else. And we call that dying, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, like while you're still wearing it, though, while while your soul still is all dressed up in this beautiful garment, it use it because it's advanced technology, and and there is no experience of spirit or the soul without the body, not in this particular um, on this particular plane. Even when you experience the essence of someone else's soul after they've transitioned, you experience that through this through this outfit. <laughs> right. Like everything, all of your perceptions are uh, an accessory of this body. So it's such it's it's advantageous to to stay in the room, to stay in it. Because if you really want to live the fullest expression of your soul while you're here, you got to be in your body. You cannot, you cannot live the fullest expression of yourself without doing that. It doesn't matter how many books you read or how much you pray or, or anything. Like you cannot live the fullest expression of your soul unless you stay in the room. So I'm very happy to be in the room with you today. <laughs> Me too. I'm very, I, I feel nourished. Mm. Yeah, I feel so nourished. Like this was, I, I, I have a few, like I'm going to be very present about expanding my pain. Because mm. I can think of like all the, just recently I had a disagreement with someone that really um, rattled my axis <laughs> in this particular relationship. And even after having a conversation and dissolving the actual issues, it's been nearly a week and I still have a little bit of, mm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though I'm like, I'm not actively doing anything or saying anything energetically though. Yeah. Energetically I'm holding. That's right. So in when I that's what I was feeling. That's why it hit me in the chest because yeah. I know that I'm my heart is constricting that's around right. that particular experience and that particular person. Yeah. And as a consequence of that constriction, my beautiful ego has weaved this wonderful tale. <laughs> <laughs> this this great story right. around what it means uh-huh. and how the person like, and you know, even I'm quoting like Maya Angelou in my mind, when people show you who they are, believe. Right, 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 you know, right, right, right. <laughs> it's like, this might not be what she was talking about. Right. It's like, okay. <laughs> look, just look, the therapy is called stop it. Stop it. <laughs> right. <laughs> stop making up a story. And again, like, because we can't see ourselves 
you know, one of the things when I, when I, when someone comes to me with something and they're sharing a story with me, especially if it's a relationship, you know, so-and-so got on my nerves or they did this and that to me or whatever, I'm always saying, is that true? Or did you make that up? (laughs) Oh my God. It's so good. (laughs) Always, always. But here I am being the writer that I am making up a beautiful story. Sounds really good. But it's a great great. story. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And if I, and if I shared the story with the other person, because I'm such a great storyteller, they would feel bad. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, they would. I don't have any doubt about that. Yeah. They would think that they, that it was accurate, but the truth is I'm making up the story Mm. and I'm making up the story in response to the constriction that I'm still choosing. Yeah. (laughs) It's a choice. I'm choosing. I'm choosing the constriction. And so when you said like expanding, I'm like, okay, I I, I got work to do. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank yeah. You. you let that, you let that panic expand. It's going to bust right past that little yep. ego wall, take you to a whole nother level. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but sometimes, uh, and I think that it's important because sometimes we can't expand until we're ready. And sometimes oh God, the, yeah. you know, like, and honestly, if I had had this conversation with you last week, I wouldn't have connected a single dot because right. I was, I was, I was very aware that my ego was at play. And I had said to one of my girlfriends, I know this is my ego and I'm okay with that. That's right. I yeah. was okay then, but like now, now it is, it's no longer serving me because mm-hmm. now that it's a week on the outside, now it has become a burden because mm-hmm. consequently I've been having tightness in my neck mm-hmm. because now it's literally like I'm carrying it there. Right. So, so thank you for that because look, there's always medicine. Always. <laughs> like this conversation always. was supposed to be medicine for others, but I'm, I'm no, other, no, it's all I'm medicine other. for everybody. That's Every the, time. that's everybody. That's the deal. If it's not medicine yeah. for you and me, then I'm not expecting it to be medicine for anyone else. So I, well, I receive, I receive my palms are, are open and I receive. So thank you. Yeah. This was, this was delicious. Me that's too. my favorite word Del- right now. Delicious. delicious. Yum, yum. Del- yes. Um, so tell us just a little bit. I have one final question for you before we finish, but I want you just before we kind of finish on that note, I, um, let people know where and how they can find you. Where do you like to play on the internet? What do you want to, where do you want people to go and know about? Take a minute to just tell people about you, where they can find you. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love the idea of the internet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I, I oh, love you- the idea of the internet. I I am I, I am on social media and I post on on Facebook and Instagram probably the most frequently. I enjoy Twitter a lot, but I think that my favorite playground is actually my newsletter, interestingly enough. And and the reason is because like I my website I blog and and I write. Um, recently, the the only thing that gets updated regularly has been, um, you know, the show notes for my podcast. But the reason I like my newsletter because for a long time I did not send out newsletters regularly, <laughs> but for the last couple of years I've I've been very faithful to it. But the reason that I like it is because it's the one thing that I write completely effortlessly. Mm. I, I literally write wh- wherever I am is what is, is that's the container that my newsletter is. And it, I mean, I literally show up 
on Sundays, I send out two newsletters a week. I send out on Sunday, I send out the newsletter and then I send out just an episode like of this is the podcast for the week or whatever. But my Sunday love note is I literally sit at my computer and just share whatever is happening. You know, like this past week, I shared a story about um, this woman I met at the farmer's market, this older woman, and we talked about um, pussy in front of the plums. So... (laughs) So, um, so that's my favorite, um, my favorite place. I do sometimes like sometimes months later, I might share them on, you know, my newsletters, depending on what it is, mm-hmm. what it is I talk about. Sometimes I'll share it on social media, but some newsletters never see any other space because they feel sacred to me. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like a container yeah. in a way that social media doesn't. It yeah. feels like there are no walls. And that sometimes is unnerving for me. Mm-hmm. But like my my intention and my boundary for myself on social media is that I will not I will share vulnerably, but not intimately. Mm. Um, I learned that from Brene Brown because she's amazing. Yeah, she um, is. So, so that's so that's my my boundary around sharing on social media, but I do have a level of intimacy when I share in my newsletter, and that's why it's my favorite thing. I'm really glad you said that. I, uh, I, that resonates with me, and I'm in that place right now where it's like I think I re- I've sent out three newsletters this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was that. I was like that. It was, so I've been through an. Int- I've been in an interesting space of re. I think I was. I'm just kind of finding my voice in many, in many places, in many ways. But I love that. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, and and uh, her website. Well, all that will be in the show notes. But it is StacyHerrera.com. Uh, so here's my question. Okay. Still a little kind of clumsy right now, but. There's a bit of an assumption here. The assumption is that do you believe in a world like world peace or the new earth or a new paradigm? Do you believe that like a healed planet or like an evolved next step of humanity is possible? That's like it's like kind of a the, the rest of the, the rest of the question is an assumption that the answer is yes, but I guess <laughs> <laughs> um not all at the same time. Not all at the same time. Okay. And and the reason is because Evolution, as I know it, is a response to adversity. Mm-hmm. So the reason I say not all at the same time is because I think some of us are living the new earth right now. Right. And yeah. some of us are not. And and part of that, you know, largely is depends on your perception, because what you what you expect to see is what you see, um, because that's how vision works. Right. right. So. um <laughs> So, so the reason I say not all at the same time, though, is because we all are in different spaces of our evolutionary journey, whatever that, however we define that for ourselves. But I also believe that adversity, because the only reason it's uncomfortable is because we judge it. And if, if there were no judgment around discomfort, then adversity would be an advantage because that it that's exactly what it is. So even like right now where people are really all up in arms and every five minutes people are complaining about the American president and something that he did, I believe that he is exactly what we needed 
and he's an accidental savior. And let me tell you, I didn't vote for him. So, <laughs> but mm. the reason I say that is because there are conversations that are being had that would never have been had. These, a lot of the issues that are bubbling to the surface, sexual harassment and abuse and assault has been a problem for a, for as long as I know. Yeah. You know, racism has been a problem for as long as I know. You know, women's being oppressed and the patriarchy has been a problem. <sighs> for These are not new things. No. But now, finally, it took someone who can't string a sentence without putting his foot in his mouth. It took someone like that to come to the podium to make, to ignite a conversation and a shift that we could not have had with in the absence of this adversity. So, so, so I, I think that it's possible, but not all at the same time. And because if it happens all at the same time, will it will mean that there's nothing else left to do. Okay. Excellent answer. So I, this we can work with. I love it. And I, and I also basically agree with you. So that's handy too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, uh, okay. So one of my favorite quotes is if we don't know where you're going, if you don't know where you're headed, you'll end up where you're going. Mm. And, um, one of the things that, uh, has been, I've been reminded of recently is that uh, a lot of people don't even know what a healed space would look like. They can't even imagine what what an evolved what it would feel like to feel safe in their own skin, or um, or or what stories, what myths we would tell each other if it wasn't um, about tolerating the patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. what is this next place? And so my question is, can you share, can you, can you drop in and weave something, some, an element, a feeling, a sense, an image, a story, a knowing of that, um, like where we're headed, where do we want to go? What is that? So that new, so we, so we have language, you and I have language of this, this notion of the new earth. So my question is, what's an image or a story of the lived and trustworthy and possible new earth? What does that look like or sound like or taste like? I think like, I'd like to, to, to pull it into what a conversation would look like. Okay. Because, because I think that, you know, even no matter on, on a, on the biggest scale, life is of relationships. Right. So Mm. I think in, in an evolved space where, where, where two people, two or more people can come to the table and arrive from the space of wholeness Mm. as a, as opposed to the, from the space of woundedness, because what we see now is maybe one person comes to the table whole right and the other person comes to the table in need of repair right but if we can if we can acknowledge mm-hmm. and feel everything then even if there is pain their pain can be whole that's right Whereas now we operate from the if it hurts there's a wound and that means that there is a deficit uh-huh but if we can get to the space where we feel all of our stuff, we stay in the room and we arrive to the table, even if it is 
I'm, you know, even if, even if it's, you know what, Sophia, right now I'm in a lot of pain, even if that's where I come to the table from, I'm in a lot of pain, but I acknowledge my part. I accept that there is nothing for you to do. I'm sharing with you because this is about you, but I'm not asking you to do anything because this trigger belongs to me. Mm-hmm. That means that I came, even in my pain, I came whole and I'm not asking for you to fill me up. I'm not asking for you to make it better. I'm not asking for you to do anything except for be in the room with me. And if we can get to the place where we function like that, it will not, it won't take away the fact that we disagree because disagreement is an adversity that creates evolution. So it's, if we can disagree, but we can disagree without weapons, whether the weapon be a gun or a knife or a tongue, right? We can come without weapons and we can have a conversation as a, as opposed to creating a war, because sometimes every war started off as a conversation. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or the shutdown and refusal right. of one. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, it started off with verbal language, That's whatever right. it is not, it not healthy verbal language, right. but even if yes. we are going, if we can come to the table whole, mm. then that means we can disagree from a place of wholeness. That means we can love from a place of wholeness. That means we can attract from a place of wholeness because when you are whole, what you attract looks very different. You don't attract deficits unless you have a deficit that you are choosing. But if you if you show up from a place of wholeness and it 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 shows up even in our in our lives in the world we live in right now, like even romantically, mm-hmm. the relationships that I've attracted, romantic and otherwise, the relationships that I've attracted from my not enoughness are the ones that have the most tethers and they're the most painful. But when I, when I attract from the place of my wholeness, even if the relationship has to be terminated, there is no, there are no tethers. I don't need to hold on to that. I don't need to keep replaying the story. So if we, so I think that the new earth doesn't look like this, Mm -hmm. you know, beautiful sanctuary where everything is clean and neat and there is no, there are no disagreements and we just all kumbaya together. That sounds great and everything, except for nothing grows in the light. We go to sleep to grow and heal, right? So that means that there has to be some shadow and that's okay. But even in the shadow work, we could, if we can do that from a place of wholeness, mm-hmm. then that will be our peace because peace doesn't have to look like the absence of adversity. Excellent. I never thought, I never thought about that before. Thanks. <laughs> Never thought about it before. Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking about it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're weaving it. It's good. Thank you so much. I love that. Yes. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, what I hear is that, you know, the new earth, that place where we're going is where we sit, where we all gather and we start, we all start from a place of wholeness. Yes. And, you know, like the it's not glorious. enough stories, the not enoughness is what is created all Woo! of this. Yeah. All of it. I mean, that's the reason that we struggle in relationships. If I come, you know, if I came to this conversation already feeling like I'm not good enough to have this conversation with you, it would have gone very differently. Yeah, for sure. 
So, you know, it's that, you know, but if, if we, if we, if we grow our children with the knowing, if, if we never, if we never require them to forget that they're enough, Mm. because that's our requirement as it stands right now, we require them. And if you, if you don't accept it, I'm a, I'm a literally beat it out of you with my tongue. Right. Like, you know, and then other people will also because they're they're doing the same thing. So when you come together, you get to commiserate over your not enoughness with your girlfriends, because a lot of our relationship are are bonded. We are bonded over those things. So but but if we don't require our children to to forget that they are enough already. Then there is no wholeness is the only thing there is. Right. That's because that's what it is. As Stacy, can I make a request of you? Please. As you move forward with these contemplations, I invite you to bring the language like all the way into like as we, when we. Mm, yeah. You know, yes. like shifting yes. all the way, like join me. <laughs> yeah. You know, yes. as as we allow our children, as we give up our need to have them ever, Absolutely. ever participate. I receive that. Thank yes. you. I receive that. Yes. I re- because it's glorious. I mean, everything, what you're saying is like, it is, it's, I mean, it's glorious. And I, I see it in the, in the, um, in, like my nephew, like I see, I see these spaces where this being is being held and told regularly and reinforced in the stories of enoughness. And, and it's just the beginning and that's where we're going. All of us. Absolutely. Yep. I recently, one last caveat, cause it, it, it adds to this. I recently overheard, I was, um, across the street from a school and they were having like sports day and the principal was on the loudspeaker and the, you know, the kids are doing activities and everyone's cheering and the principal's cheering them on. And there was this one student who did not throw well. And I heard the principal say, who taught you how to, how to throw? Mm. Who, Who taught you how to throw? And your Mrs. Whatever the teacher's name is, is going to be disappointed. And she chuckled. And I heard that and I wanted to die. Yeah. Right. I was like, you probably just fucked that kid up. Right. Yeah. Because I I know I'm I wasn't good at sports day. I like I'm thankfully I'm really great at losing because <laughs> I'm really I'm a great loser. Absolutely. I, I'm a great loser. So like certain things, like I'm not good at bowling, but I love to bowl. I am I don't, you know, sometimes I get lucky and 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 and, ac- and accidentally win. That's great. But if I don't, if I'm the last person and I never get a strike, I'm so cool with that. You know, but when part of it is I I know where I shine. That's not the area. That's not my expertise. I'm not great at that, but I can still enjoy that. But the only reason that a lot of people have such a hard time is because of the language that we give to someone when they do something that doesn't look how someone else does it. Mm-hmm. So like she re- literally affirmed, you know, if that kid already thought like, I'm not a great thrower, she right. affirmed the not enoughness. Yeah. Where the truth is we're not all meant to be, to excel at the same right. things, you know, but, and, and you're in, and you're on this loudspeaker, like she's had a mic in her hand. Mm. So that it's that that kind of stuff and i'm sure she, i'm not i know she did not intend to do that right she probably thought it was a joke right except for we often mask our tenderness behind laughter mm-hmm. so but if we can arrive to this as we <laughs> as we arrive to the space of 
affirming our children and affirming ourselves because so much of what, you know, you can tell a child you're amazing, you're amazing. But every time they hear you look in the mirror and say like, oh my God, my Mm -hmm. thighs are so fat. You are now, (laughs) you're Mm -hmm. dismantling the belief because, well, if you feel like that about you, then I'm supposed to feel like that about me. So as we, as we move forward and love ourselves from our wholeness and without the expectation that wholeness means perfection, Mm. they're not the same thing. Um, You know, but as we allow ourselves to, to accept the duality and that duality is part of our wholeness because of growth, hello, (laughs) like, you know, so, so as we continue to do that, I think that we will see a shift in the way everyone arrives at the table. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in the room when you get there. Right. <laughs> it's different. Absolutely. Ab- absolutely. And, and, and I think that our breath is probably our best, our best asset. Mm-hmm. You know, like when, when you're not feeling enough, whatever the story is that's driving that, breathe on purpose. It's very diff. It's very difficult to say fucked up shit about yourself when you're breathing. Yeah. Like it's almost impossible. Actually, you can't like the, (laughs) you can't. And, and, you know, and, and, and if that doesn't work, um, blow bubbles, right. You you can't blow bubbles with a frown on your face. It's impossible. (laughs) You cannot do it. Like it is impossible to blow bru- bubbles and be frowning at the same time. Like your face does not allow it. So bubbles automatically lighten you up. I keep a bottle of bubbles on my bedside table. Like seriously. <laughs> tools. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes you need some physical tools, you know, like breath is great, but sometimes it's not enough. Like sometimes you got to take yourself out of it and bubbles, bubbles are cheap. <laughs> you can make them at home. And, um, and, and you can't be, you cannot frown if you're blowing bubbles. It's impossible. Stacy, it has been a pleasure. Yes, this has been so good. I really, really feel nervous. Like you stretched me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you stretched me. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for, for being the space. Thank you for staying in the room for for being inquisitive and curious, because I think that curiosity is such an important part of the human experience. So thank you for being that and for, and, and for inviting me to, um, (laughs) to expand my pain and my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are welcome. And I am grateful. I'm grateful for your work and everything that you, you, uh, you call out of the world and into the world and uh and for your, for your courage and and for for being with me staying in the room and and stretching and growing with me today i've i've healed and grown too from our time together and uh i just i yeah i wish you the best and many blessings i look forward to more adventures to come absolutely yes thank you so so much you already know everything they could teach you you already know everything they could say Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. 
And thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sophia. (laughs) Remember, everything that we talked about in today's episodes will be in the show notes. So go there for links. For more content that you're going to love, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast. Share this episode with anybody you think you'll enjoy it. And share the love with a rate or review wherever you listen. And to find out about all the mad adventures I'm up to, check me out on Instagram at Sophia Wise One uh, or come to my website, SophiaWiseOne.com. Oh, oh, you can subscribe to this mailing list by texting VTOX to 66866. I am Sophia Wise One, daughter of the wind. I am calling you to rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up and take your place. Thank you, gorgeous. I am thrilled and grateful for your support listening to this podcast. I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. If you think this podcast is the bee's knees and you're grateful that it exists, I want you to know I'm grateful that you exist. Come join the Patreon. I call it the temple. We are healing. We are musicking. We are podcasting. We are together. Come check it out. You can find it through Patreon backslash Sophia Wise One or through my website, sophiawiseone.com.